Yeah, I don't know if you're like me with credit scores, but I, I find it very interesting. It's interesting today that I can go online, do a search, and I can see what the different credit services have for my credit scores, and I'm very interested. I don't have any reason to be interested. I'm not really borrowing money anymore, and so my credit scores really don't impact my life. I think it's just some sick curiosity about how my credit scores go up and down, uh, even now when I'm not borrowing really any money. I mean, I just have some credit cards, and I put things on it, and I pay it off. But I'm fascinated by my credit scores. Now, right now, as of the recording of this, if I go on and look at my credit scores, there are two different services that are a hundred points apart. A hundred points apart. Like that's not a small amount. Now, never before when I've studied my credit scores have I looked and they are a hundred points apart, but they are today. The whole credit score thing is fascinating to me and sometimes I feel like I should go try to correct somebody's scores, but like I said, I don't need the credit scores. So since I don't need them for anything, any particular purpose that I know about right now, I'm not going to mess with them. But it's not just my credit scores. When I think about scores and ratings, I was fascinated when I found out that, uh, you know, Uber went ahead and started to put ratings on passengers. Now, I've been using Uber for a long time, right? So uh, I always give scores to the drivers, generally give them five stars. I mean, I, I almost every Uber driver I've ever run into is fantastic. And so uh, I give them a five-star rating. And then I read that uh, they were able to give ratings to the passengers. It was in the back of my mind until a, a few days ago when I thought, oh, I, I wonder what my Uber rating is as a passenger. And so I went on the app and I looked and my rating was a 4.98, I believe. Uh, I remember it was not a perfect five and that's of course what I was hoping for, but you know, you can't make everybody happy. And so I started thinking about, wow, how do you get a 4.98? I, I, I mean, I, I take a lot of Uber rides, but I don't take that many Uber rides. And so what that tells me is there was one driver somewhere that gave me a four and everybody else has given me fives. You know, still not too bad, but I had to chuck up myself because how can I get so wrapped around the axle with my credit scores? And then why do I care about what my Uber passenger score is, but there I was looking it up on a mobile app. Now, the next few podcasts are going to be about what happens when data meets humanity. And this actually might be the most science fiction sounding set of podcasts that I'm going to do. So as I do uh, another few podcasts in this series, I'm going to paint a picture of what's going to happen in the future with this quantified world that we are moving into. And I'm going to call this series the Quantified Humanity Series. And I actually believe this might be the most controversial series that I'm going to do. And I say it's going to be controversial because this one's, uh, it's interesting to try to dig through this one and figure out what to be optimistic about. Uh, but not only that, I'm going to be painting pictures about the future that I think a lot of people might not agree with. Now, I 100% believe they will happen, but I, I understand that people might not believe that this is where the future will go. So I just think this might be a, a bit of a controversial uh, series of podcasts. This first podcast, though, uh, it's not going to be controversial and it's not going to be future looking because I got to set the stage of, I guess, my introduction for crowd-based and technology-driven scoring systems that have evolved and, and what they mean for us already. Because already we have, obviously, you know, a real mix of data, harvesting data, gathering data, and doing ratings or scores. And I mentioned to you, crowd-based and technology-driven. In other words, some of these scores are just using technology algorithms to go look at facts and giving me a score. That's what theoretically the credit score is. The credit score really isn't driven by a bunch of human 
beings that I lent money to saying, oh yeah, he's a, or I, I borrowed money from, right? Saying, hey, he's great. He paid the money back, right? It's big corporations filing information and then algorithms, you know, coming up with these scores. And evidently some of the algorithms are smarter than others since I have a hundred point difference between two different companies. But then there's the crowd-based, right? The crowd-based ratings and evaluations where, you know, it, it's just everyone you've interacted with in some way that have all given you a score and then people can see those scores and then they can judge you based on those scores. So in this podcast, all I want to do is just kind of pull apart how far are we down this rabbit trail already uh, and, you know, let's set up uh, the next few podcasts that are going to be looking forward into the future. Now, the, obviously the scores that I'm concerned about and the data that I'm concerned about are scores that measure people or aspects of people, right, that are either using some digital platform to help with that or using some algorithm or some combination of these to be able to measure the people or the aspects of the people. I just think it's very good for us to now step back and really look at this. It's going on all around us, but I don't hear enough conversation about it. That's why I wanted to do some podcast on this. I want you, the listener, to be thoughtful about what this means to society, what it means to you. What is it we need to teach our kids about this. Now, I've mentioned in previous podcasts the concept of quantified. I talked about the quantified self, and I talked about data, right? How we are able to gather data off of our own bodies now by using an Apple Watch or a Fitbit or something like that. And that by quantifying the data off of our bodies, it completely changes what our healthcare could be about. Now, we're also gathering huge amounts of data and doing analytics on companies, on governments. I mean, again, if you think back on companies, uh, you know, you Years ago, when I was young, uh, you had the Better Business Bureau, right? Uh, and if you wanted to know about a company, you uh, made a phone call to the Better Business Bureau and you asked them, and then they kind of gave you a breakdown. Or maybe uh, Duns, right? You used Duns and you would uh, get a Duns number and go see, uh, you know, if these uh, if the company actually paid their bills, right? But we didn't really have very sophisticated ways to to see. All right, well, how do you measure or rate a company? And then today, you you think about you know all the ways when somebody goes to a, apply for a job and they go look on. Uh, like Glassdoor, and they look at the ratings and evaluation uh, from former employees and maybe other algorithms about what Glassdoor thinks about the company. And there's many other ways to rate companies today, and you don't have to call an 800 number anymore to uh, to get them. So w- we have been quantifying aspects of each other, quantifying aspects of organizations at a faster and faster rate. And that's the thing we really need to understand is, all right, uh, we are where we are today with quantifying people and organizations, quantifying quantifying things. We talk about data all the time, right? Data activation. How do we use data to be able to find the truth, to be able to have more insights into things that we've seen before? I I think we need to look at where are we today, what's already happening, and then in the next podcast, we'll go forward and we'll talk about what I think is going to happen. And then by the end of this series, I think you'll have a whole new view on life about what happens at this intersection of data and humanity. All right. I want to walk you through a bit of history. In other words, I I don't know. Let's look at the last 40 years. Uh, in other words, much of my life and probably much of your life as well, right? But I, I want to look at kind of what it, what it feels like to start as a child and kind of grow up today. Now, I'm not going to hit every single thing we quantify. What I'm going to do is hit 15 of them or so, right? And I, I, I want to paint a picture for you of ways that were quantified. So don't look at, oh, you forgot this one, you forgot that one. I'm not trying to cover them all. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you of, of how the pace of quantifying our life is speeding up. And it we can start this discussion along the way of, and what does that mean to us? All right. So if I think back to the first time that I remember being quantified, it 
was my grade point average? That would have been the first thing because, you know, when I got into high school, uh, you know, I was introduced to this concept of a grade point average. And I, I vaguely remember, because it was a long time ago, that I didn't really have a grade point average until high school. And then somebody introduced me to the concept that, oh, hey, all your scores count now. And I remember that being told to me. And so you need to make sure that you have a high grade point average. And so like, oh, all right, well, how does all that work? Like, well, an A is worth, uh, you know, four points and a B is worth three points. Somebody explained the concept to me of this. And, you know, every class, a teacher gives you a, a grade and those grades all get averaged together. And that's your, your grade point average, right? And it's going to become important to you because when you want to get into college, you might have to have a certain grade point average. And there was this underlying tone of, oh, you know, and you want to have a grade point average so that people think highly of you. Someday you might have to go get a job and that grade point average is really going to count. And they scared the bejesus out of me as a freshman in high school. So you can imagine what I did was I said, look, I'm a high achiever. I'm going to make sure that I have a four point. And then I did everything that a human could possibly do to make sure that I uh, got out of high school with a four point. Uh, no, that isn't at all what happened. Uh, they explained to me the whole grade point average thing. Uh, honestly, I could have cared less. I graduated high school, I'm pretty sure with a 2.5, 2.5. Now, I don't want you judging me right now, right? That, uh, hey, you know, you weren't very smart with a 2.5. I tested pretty high, all right? I just didn't like doing homework. I got my, I got all my reasons. But anyway, I got a 2.5. It meant nothing to me. I wasn't worried about, uh, you know, what people thought of me. I wasn't worried about going on to college, right? Now, maybe that wasn't too smart. Uh, I've turned out fine. I don't worry about it now in hindsight. But that was the original time. It was the first time I remember being scored where somebody quantified data on me to provide value of, oh, you only got a 2.5, as if it made some statement about me as a human being. Now, you go on to higher education and this just keeps going. I mean, not only do you have the grade point average, but now you start to have the ability to have letters after your names. Or or today, even, in the technology world, we can go get certifications. And if you get certifications, right, another way to put letters after your name. And I remember both my parents got master's degrees. They both had letters after their name. Now, I chose not to go to college. You know, once again, I looked at kind of that quantification of you need a degree and you need letters after your name. And like that just didn't fit in my world order. So I wasn't too worried about it. But I'm just trying to paint the picture for you of things that we do that you, you know, we use data or some rating, you know, to quantify how we might feel about a person. And so that was the next thing, you know, was after my high school was just, oh, yeah, well, a lot of other people I know, my parents and friends, like they went on to quantify themselves even more from an education standpoint. Now, the next time I remember being quantified was now I'm out of school. I'm 18, 19 years old. And uh, I remember there was, uh, I thought, oh, you know what? I need to get a credit card at some point. And, uh, and then as soon as I went to get a credit card, I was introduced to the concept of a credit score. All right. No, and I'm like, okay, well, explain this to me. Like, well, you know, the credit card companies uh, all get together and they, uh, they rely on uh, another company who uh, gives you a score on a one to 800 basis or something like that. And behind the scenes, without you being able to see any of this magic happen, right, they, they do some math some algorithm, and everybody gets assigned a credit score. And so, you know, you want to get a credit card, and then what you want to do with the credit card is make sure that you charge a little bit on it and pay it off. Charge a little bit on it and pay it off. Like, there, you can game the system, right? You can learn how to make sure that you have a good credit score. And by the way, if you borrow any money from a bank, right, you know, that's going to go in your credit score. If you had student loans, of course, I did not, but if you had student loans, that's going to go on your credit score. So somebody explained all this to me. And, and once again, you know, me being incredulous about all of this, I'm like, well, do I really care about it? Yes. You have to 
care. Someday you're going to want to buy a house. Like you're going to want to do things and you need to have a good credit score. And so here we go again. Now there was something else I had to monitor about myself that was making some value judgment on, you know, the, uh, you know, how good a human being I was based on financial decisions that I made that, by the way, were behind some Wizard of Oz black magic curtain, right? That I had no idea how these numbers actually uh, were configured. And here we are, right? 40 years later, I still have no idea and have, I, I, it is beyond me how I can have a credit score with a hundred points difference. And, and think, I think about the one that's on the low side of that. I have no idea where they came up with that, uh, you know, that credit score number. All right. So I, I went on. Now I, I think about the next kind of things I started to have a sense of, and the next one would be insurance companies. And that was, oh, well, you pay higher car insurance because you're higher risk because you're 18 and you have a car. And uh, that's going to cost you a lot more than my parents, you know, who were older and their car insurance was lower. And I looked at that and said, well, that's crazy talk, right? I, I mean, I'm younger. I don't have the money. Why are you charging me so much for insurance? My parents are older. They got the money. Why do they pay so little, right? On the surface, doesn't make sense, but of course it makes sense. The insurance companies are just measuring risk. And in this case, it isn't necessarily initially me specifically. They're just looking at my demographic. And initially, they're saying, you're 18 years old. We're starting clean, right? We don't know you. You've never wrecked a car yet that we know about, right? But still, your demographic, we're giving you a score, a risk score of X. And so here's what your insurance rate is. This is the category that you're in. Like, think about that for a second. This is the category that you're in. Like, in order to be in a category, you have to score me somehow, all right? So here we go, right? Insurance companies, I don't care whether it's life insurance, car insurance, right? They give me a risk score. They charge me money. I'm like, okay, I'm what, I'm literally 18 years old, right? And I'm starting to understand, hey, in life, you're scored an awful lot, right? To be able to decide what kind of value you are or how people are going to relate to you. Now, that was all pre-internet. It's all pre-internet. And I'm going to stop there. There's other things we could talk about, right? But you, you got the picture. That was pre-internet. But I want to start talking about post-internet. You know, let's look at how the scoring and the value judgments of people then sped up, right? Now, again, if I kind of take this linearly, one of the next things that I remember uh, being a score that I found interesting was eBay. And you all might remember eBay in the early days, right? eBay in the early days introduced a seller score. And that was one of the early times, right, that, that you saw on the internet uh, a site uh, where you would do some activity at, right, where everybody voted on the score of somebody else on that platform, right? Now, if you go all the way back to MySpace or something like that, uh, you know, there was a score because of visitors, right? But you didn't on MySpace necessarily have people scoring each of the MySpace sites and giving it some type of user score, right? But eBay had this seller score, and I was kind of fascinated by that, right? That uh, it, it played a very positive role, by the way, in a world of being optimistic about technology. It helped somebody make a decision on, can I trust this seller? Because I'm not walking into a retail store, right? I don't have my hands on what the product is. And so in order to, to provide trust, that score helped me a lot on could I trust this seller? So that score, you know, had really good aspects to it, right? But then I think about some of the other things we moved on to. And let's talk about social technologies. Uh, this is where it started to, in my opinion, really get community-based, crowd-based, right? When I talk about crowd-based, I mean, obviously in eBay, it was crowd-based. But when we think about what happened with social media and that people would do posts and Facebook or, you know, LinkedIn or, you know, other social sites gave people the ability to like, to thumbs up a post. Now, I remember when all of this happened. I remember the day that I read about the fact that, let's say, Facebook, 
Facebook was going to provide a capability where you could like somebody else's posts. Now, would we have had any idea that that like system would become a measurement of value? In other words, that people would post something and if it got 10 likes, you know, okay, well, that was better than zero. But if it got a thousand likes, you were a star. Would we have known that, right? But of course, that's where it's gone and you, you know, it's gotten crazy now. I mean, it's it's a little how to hand when I see younger people who will post something and if it doesn't have the right amount of like velocity, so in other words, you know, if it's already been up for an hour and it doesn't have the right amount of likes, they take it down because they're afraid that if you uh, leave it up and it doesn't get as many likes, that that's ultimately going to look bad on you. I mean, oh my gosh, if this only gets 25 likes, that's embarrassing. And I only have five and we're an hour in, that thing's coming down, right? Now you think about the psychology of that, that I am posting something that I want to share. I don't care whether it's a selfie. I don't care whether it's an interesting piece of content or it's a poem, a picture. I don't care. You post something. Think about the psychology of, hey, I don't have enough people liking that thing. I'm taking it down because it might look bad on me. That's a measurement, right? People are using the likes to quantify value. I mean, now, that's looking at it themselves, uh, uh, you know, but it is the crowd who is quantifying uh, the content and then the person making a judgment of, uh, all right, well, I'm going to feel good or bad about myself based on how many likes this thing gets. It's interesting uh, about quantifying. I mean, that, that you could then, I guess, step back even from that and say, all right, separate the likes. What about the number of followers? I mean, right now, number of followers has become a measurement of value or popularity. Now, when, you know, you see that a sports star or or a popular person on TV, or a person who's popular and you have no idea why, by the way, and we have a few of those, I'm not going to name names, but we have people who have millions of followers and none of us can figure out why or how they got there, right? But it's interesting that even the number of followers has become a, a value, you know, kind of a measurement of value or popularity. Take take the number of followers and the likes, now you got to have ratios. You got to say, all right, well, if you had 100 followers and you posted content and you got 25 likes, like that's fantastic, 25% of everybody who is a follower of you, who they didn't all even see this post, right? But 25% of your overall, they liked it. Now, if you had a million followers and you posted something and only 25 people actually liked it, that would be horrible. So now there's a ratio you have to calculate of based on quantifying what I've posted and, you know, how popular that makes me. All right, I'm, I'm going to, this one, I'm going to go back, you know, and back and present day, because this one's been around for a while, but I need to, to do the old one so I can do the newer ones. Let's talk about quantifying people who fly on airlines. So we have status, right? We got mileage. And so try to be in the million mile club, right? Or the more miles you fly, uh, you know, you get free flights or you get benefits or you get upgraded, right? You get status. Uh, I'm all over that. I fly all over the place. I got status on multiple airlines. I got to pay attention to it. I got to watch it every year. I got to make sure I'm using it in the right way. I'm annoyed if for some reason my status drops backwards. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the status means I get on earlier than everybody else. I don't have a luggage problem, right? All that kind of thing. Now, the reason I bring that up is today, that kind of status, that kind of uh, quantifying customers, I mean, it's, it is getting crazy. You think about the Starbucks app, what retailers are doing, uh, what restaurants are doing, you know, all of these, uh, I'll, let's just say retailers, like people who deal with customers, business to consumer type businesses, right? They're trying to encourage people to become loyal customers by quantifying how loyal they are, how 
much business they do. And the more business you do, it's not only that you get free things, you get points, you get stars, you you, you whatever you get, right? They're, they're using quantification and data to score you publicly as a customer so that they can give you incentives to be a better customer and stick with them for loyalty reasons. I get it, right? I get it while they're doing it. But I find it interesting of how many different ways I'm now being quantified by retailers. All right, let's go a different direction. Google. You do a Google search. Met with a, I met with a guy this morning. The guy says to me, yeah, I looked you up on Google and I learned a lot about you. Now, when you do a Google search on somebody, the return that you get, like how much you see about them, creates a mental score in your mind about how important that person is. Like what's their place in the world? Now, even when you go apply for a job, you know, HR departments, the recruiter or whoever, they're looking you up on Google. And based on your presence, they're giving you a score of a some type, formal or informal, where they're judging you based on your results off of Google. I mean, think about that for a minute. Now, hey, if you're younger, there's always been some older person that's told you, be careful what you post because things last forever online. And when, uh, you know, future jobs, when they do a Google search, they're going to see that drunken party, you know, uh, where you were wearing that bathing suit that you shouldn't have wore, right? You were there in that little skimpy Speedo uh, in Italy that you thought was cool. Uh, Obviously, I'm talking about a guy and nobody wants to see you in that skimpy Speedo, much less uh, holding up that beer, right? That lasts forever. You get what I'm saying is a Google search itself today allows people to have some type of mm, score, right? Or quantify your value in the world. When you search on me, you know, you don't get a lot of bad stuff, but you get a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm a speaker. So there's all kinds of video on me that I didn't post. Other people posted. There's all kinds of comments people posted. And then there's all the stuff I post. And so my Google score is fairly high because when you go online, there's a lot of stuff about me. Oh, and by the way, my last name is very unusual. So when you search on me, you get me. Tons on me. If your name was John Jones, right? Bill Smith, it's tough because you can't really search and and get exactly information on that person. I don't have that problem. There's very few Klazowskis in the world. So a Google search and it's got a lot of stuff on me. But I want you to just think about that for a minute and think about the next steps because the next steps are just going ahead and building an algorithm that searches for everything about you online. And then that algorithm... uh, is able to shorten the work to just give a a person who's looking some type of accomplishment score. But we're going to hit that in a couple podcasts. So set that aside. All right, even newer today, let's think about uh, the last one I'm going to bring up, which is kind of the surveillance of remote workers. So since the pandemic, uh, there's been pieces of software, of course, that companies can use that does surveillance on remote workers, right? It's it's scoring how long you're in front of the screen, how often you touch the keyboard, or or how much work work you're able to get accomplished. But think about that measurement, right? That we're quantifying the amount of work that you do because we don't really trust you when you work remote. And you got to laugh about, you know, how we uh, fight against that, right? We, uh, there are people out there that uh, employ mouse jigglers, right? Because the mouse jiggler will jiggle the mouse and it'll trick the system into thinking somebody's actually sitting in front of their computer. I mean, really, is this the world we've come up to? That we have to do, you know, quantified surveillance on remote workers and then they've got to have a uh, mouse jigglers jigglers, right? So that they trick the system into thinking that they're actually working. Wow. Right. But for me, it's that quantification again. You know, now it's not just a, you know, my boss is observing what I do. You know, now it's no, no, no. I'm using a computer and an algorithm to give a score to HR about how hard I'm working. Wow. Wow. All right. So at this point, you might be wondering, how is he possibly 
going to be optimistic about all this quantification in our life? How do we possibly find the rainbow in the societal measurement web that we are building? Because there's no way. How can we possibly find benefits in a world where other people are controlling the perceived value of our self-worth, right? Think about what I said earlier about my credit score or my Uber score or online, how many people like the content that I post, right? This is other people controlling my perceived self-worth if I allow that to happen. How about a world where any mistake that we make could get us canceled or even in a smaller, just ruin our good human score, right? So somebody can go online or, uh, you know, somebody who is scoring us for some way, we make any mistake, right? And then all of a sudden our good human score is gone. So let's just say that my mistake is that I don't fly for a year. And because I don't fly for a year, my gold status is just gone. Because they're like, yeah, you used to be important to us, but you didn't fly for a year. You're nobody now. You can get on in the back of the plane, right? You got to earn a whole bunch more miles before we'll even give you a bronze, right? Maybe get you up to a silver. Yeah, right? Just think about that world. Any mistake, any change in behavior, all of a sudden we've ruined our good score. Now, I have to admit this to you. This quantified world that we're moving into, it's a bit unknown nerving to me as well. Uh, you, you can obviously tell I pay rapt attention to all the different ways I'm being scored or evaluated. And, and it's a little bit difficult for even me to look at it and say, huh, here are all the things I'm optimistic about. But there are some. There are some, and I want to talk about those. And as always, look, I could tell you all the negative things about this. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of negative concerns that I have. Um, I, you know, even at the macro level, I'm concerned about raising generations who look at all of this quantification as if it is a mirror back to them about who they are, right? Let me say it again. Like, that's my big picture. Forget the little things I worry about, like uh, that companies screw up your score and then everybody's seeing that score, you know, or the algorithms that I might think are ridiculous as far as how they're calculating what the score is, right? My biggest issue when I think about negative is what happens in the future where, you know, young people are raised being quantified in a hundred different ways and that they look at those scores or those likes or that popularity is a mirror that they hold up to see, am I valuable? We haven't had that dynamic quite this bad, right, back generations, but we may have it going forward. Man, and I do not want young people to look at this quantified world as, all right, you know, everyone's telling me what I'm worth, and so, well, that must be what I'm worth. I'll go all the way back. If I would have paid too much attention to the fact that I had a 2.5 grade point average, and I would have held that up as a mirror when I was 18 years old, I never would have became what I became. But I never looked at myself as, oh, I'm a 2.5 in intelligence. I never said that to myself. I said, hey, I'm a really, really smart person. I'll be able to learn a lot more. I'll be good at this. I'll pick up what I need to pick up. I just didn't like school and I didn't like homework and I worked a lot. I would rather make money. So we got to be careful, right? So that's, I I always want to tell you at least the negative. Uh, But let's look at the positive. If we look in the positive, in the past, we all know this because we've all experienced this. You could meet somebody who seemed like a really good person, but later on, you found out they had some really serious flaws. They lied. Uh, they were going to borrow a bunch of money from you and never pay it back. Uh, they were going to make you be the bad person when it was really them that had all the issues. They were going to put it back on you. I mean, we've all had those people that just suck off of life, right? Those people who kind of leech off of us. Who, When we first met them, they seemed like they were pretty good people. And it was only later that we learned that they had a lot 
lot of character flaws. So it used to be in the world that the only way you learned about that was you got burned, right? You, you just had to try to be a better judge of character. But there were a lot of people, there's no way to judge their character right off the bat. There just wasn't. And so in the world going forward, it's going to get easier and easier to be able to look at some method of quantification on people and have some sense of what they're like. Now, an analogy to this could be when I talk about Glassdoor and companies. It used to be you didn't know about what a company was like internally. You had no idea. You had no visibility into that until you went to work for them. And then you found out whether they were good or bad. But today you can go on Glassdoor and you could read what a bunch of people say. Now, I'm not going to argue that some people post ridiculous things or some people post things that might not be true about the company. But if it's got a hundred posts and 98 of them are bad, I think you can pretty much take it as gospel that there might be a problem at that company. And it's going to be the same on the individual level, that you're going to be able to, through different forms of quantification, have a better sense of a person. And is this person trustworthy, right? Are they trustworthy? So knowing that that we are, you know, able to quantify, uh, you know, is going to help us to be able to make better choices in life about the people we associate and who we lend money to, right? Or who we befriend or who we hang out with. I mean, it's going to help us a little bit with that so we don't make wrong steps. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Like, that is good. That will keep some people out of the pitfalls of life. So I do see a world where, where there is some type of, some types of quantification in the right areas, right, that will be really helpful. And I just talked about trust, like the a better ability to look into somebody you don't know and decide if you can trust them. And that's where we're going to start with the next podcast when we start looking into the future. Because what I want to talk about is a trust score. What happens when we have a trust score on people as opposed to just a credit score? And think about the analogy. We have a credit score. It's on a scale. What happens when we have a trust score? And that trust score is on a, let's say, one to a hundred scale. And what might that do when we actually have a trust score? Will that help the world? Will it uh, destroy the world? And by the way, there's a Black Mirror episode all about something like this. If you love Black Mirror, uh, and I found the, I found that episode fascinating, right? Where it basically showed, a, you know, a, I'll just call it a trust score, right? But a score, right? It measured you as a human being. And uh, it showed some of the games that start to be played and some of the issues that start to be played when you have a score like that. But look, it's time for us to look at it because people have been talking about developing trust scores and have tried to develop trust scores for the last handful of years. So this is not anything new. I think it's just time for us to talk about where we might end up with quantifying a trust score that's pretty much technology powered. All right, please be thoughtful about this quantified world. There's a lot to think about here and a lot to think about what it's going to mean to us and our kids and a lot to think about how we approach being quantified in this world. All right, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great Humology Day. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let us be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at sklosowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.